0: Welcome to Chase Oaks. We are so glad that you have joined us on this Super Bowl weekend. We've been in a series called GOAT, looking at who we believe to be the greatest of all time, looking at some of the disciplines that he had in his life. And here's the thesis for this series. The idea is, if we really want to have a great life, if we were to copy and paste the disciplines in Jesus's life into ours, Well, then we would actually find ourselves stepping into greatness. Now, uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at one of the disciplines that Jesus had was really being in community. Also, one that really stuck out to me was this whole idea of having this practice of solitude, pausing our lives long enough to really hear from God. Like even if you you find yourself watching or in the building and you're not a Christian, maybe a friend invited you. To, to service this weekend, here's what I truly believe. I believe if you were to copy and paste some of the disciplines that Jesus had in his life, I think it would change every relationship you have. I think it would add so much value to your life. And even people that don't follow Jesus still want to be great. And I just got to tell you, if you were to begin to say, you know what? I wonder if I were to start practicing some of these things in my life. I promise you. It would drastically improve it. Um, The discipline I want to look at is actually found in Matthew 20, verse 28. It says this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the deal. If Jesus had a website. Okay, this would be the slogan. Okay, here to serve, not to be served. If Jesus had a Twitter profile, if he had a LinkedIn profile, if you're looking for, okay, what's this guy all about? If Jesus is, is expressing his mission statement, here it is. He's going, hey, I have come to the planet not to be served, but to serve. The practice, the discipline that I think you and I should begin copying and pasting into our life, into our careers, is this idea of having the mindset of a servant. Having the mindset of, of walking around thinking, man, what can I do for others? This is what made Jesus truly great. And I think it's what will make us truly great. Because you and I are hardwired. To be the exact opposite. And, and that's not bad on you and that's not bad on me. It's just how we came to the planet and I can prove it. When you look at our children and our grandchildren, what do we find out? These are, they're, they're cute, but they're selfish. We all know that, okay? These are selfish little human beings who wake up every single day thinking about what's in it for me. My son woke up on a Saturday a couple weekends ago. He comes to my room and goes, hey dad. What am I doing today? I went, I don't know what you're doing today. Okay, like that's your life, man. Make a decision about what you are going to do today. I know what I'm going to do today, but like, but there was no, hey, what are we going to do? It's like, no, what am I going to do? I mean, it's not hard to grow up thinking about me, myself, and I. I mean, you just got to admit, the first couple decades of our life, we have practiced selfishness. It's just the way that we think. We are hardwired to think about Ourselves. The minute you start any kind of romantic relationship, you begin thinking about what can this person do for me? What's in it for me? I don't know one person that entered into a romantic relationship and they were thinking to themselves, you know what? I'm really looking for somebody that I can just serve, you know, the rest of my life. That would be awesome. Like Now, you might be thinking right now, it would be awesome to date or be married to that person. But how many of us are willing to be that person? That's why Jesus is awesome, because he's, he's, he's coming to the planet to go, I'm not here for me. I mean, most of us, when we interview for a job, like not many of us were like, hey, let me just tell you. I, I'm looking for an organization that I could go the extra mile for. That's what I'm looking for. Just so you know, just so you know, whatever job description you give me. Here's what I want to do with that job description. I want to take that job description and do twice as much work. That's what I'm looking to do for you. Nobody says that. But every leader in this room and watching online would love to hire that person. Isn't that true? I mean, it's like. We all love being on the other end of somebody that is going above and beyond to serve us. Well, at some point, we have to decide to be a little bit more like Jesus and say, you know what? I am here to serve. You must understand this. And you can go home and study this for yourself. Okay? Go home and look up every leader of any movement in history. Not one of them talked like this. Not one. Not one of them said, hey, here's the deal. I'm here to help you. To lay down my life for you. No, no. How kingdoms were built in Jesus' day and how kingdoms are built today. It's all about how many votes can I get. And what can I do to get people to serve me. And and especially in Jesus' day, you proved your kingship. You proves your lordship by how much silver and gold that you had and the type of architecture you could build and the kind of army that you could build and and you could kind of force people to serve you. Jesus is going, yeah, I'm actually here. Came off a throne in heaven to serve others, which is absolutely ridiculous for a ruler of the universe. And so at some point, you and I have been given a definition of success that, in fact, we should be striving towards a direction of where more people serve us. I mean, just think about some of the most successful people in the world. What do they have? They have people serving them, cooking for them, flying them, mowing lawns for them, posting for them, writing for them. Like it shows like, oh, this is success by how many people I can get to serve Me, Jesus is going, actually, I'm going to actually flip that whole definition of success. For us, I'm going to be that kind of person that says, I want to serve my way around the world. And we're still talking about this guy to this day because of that. And I don't think there's any greater illustration of Jesus truly illustrating this whole idea of servanthood. Uh, Besides what we see in the Last Supper. Now, uh, what happens at the Last Supper is an infamous story. If you're familiar with uh, the stories of Jesus, if you're not, I'm going to cover it. Um, What's interesting about the Last Supper is you would actually have to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John to get the full movie as to what happens At the Last Supper, the last meal that Jesus has with his disciples. So I'm going to paint the picture as best I can without reading all four Gospels tonight, today, this weekend. And I want to make sure that you get a grand understanding of what it looks like for Jesus to truly serve the people that are following him. It says in Matthew 26, verse 26... It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Uh, There was something called Seder during uh, a a meal around Passover. It was a it was a particular order in which they would have dinner. Every single thing at the table had some sort of symbolic meaning. And so um, whenever bread was lifted up at Passover, whoever was uh, at the head of the meal, they would say, this is the bread of affliction, which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat. Let everyone who is needy come and eat the Passover meal. And so here's Jesus is going, okay, um, we used to do Passover. We used to have this meal once a year so that we could commemorate what God did in the past. Now, Jesus is coming along and he's going, hey, this is my body. I want you to understand something. We're not we're no longer talking about the past. Now we're talking about the future and what my body is going to represent for you. Is forgiveness of sins like something you absolutely do not deserve is what you're going to get when you remember this exact meal so from now on when you have this meal I want you to think about that Matthew 26 verse 27 it says then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of of sins and so jesus is ushering in he uses a very specific word there he says i'm ushering in a new covenant so this old covenant was represented through through the exodus where god frees the israelites now he's going "I, i got a new covenant a new deal a new contract and in this new contract what you get out of the deal is something you do not deserve and that's very very interesting because this is the same meal where Jesus is going to reveal that sitting at the table is somebody that's going to betray him. It's like he's going, hey, I got this new deal for you. Like, I'm not going to point any fingers, but I got a new deal for you. Even the one that I know is going to betray me. And Then Jesus does something that would have shocked Every single disciple at this table. I know we've seen the, uh, the kind of the famous picture of the Last Supper. You know, Jesus is like hanging hang, with his homeboys. Like there's this table. Well, in, in all reality, the table would have been very, very low to the ground. And so um, now we're about to play a game of how low can you go. And so here's what happens. Jesus bends down and starts washing their feet, which I'm not a feet guy, okay, like, Like me and feet, like I'm glad I got them. But like, here's the deal. Like feet are gross to me. I play basketball my whole life. Like my feet look like the United Nations, just a bunch of colors. Okay, like I'm just telling you, like I don't like like feet gross me out. Like I like it's just it's just a meat thing. Like. Like Jeff wore some like some amazing shoes last week, and I didn't think I could respect a human being more. But like when I saw his shoes, I'm like, I appreciate that because like that's how much I love shoes because they cover people's feet. Now, in this day and age, like I think feet are nasty today, but back then it was very normal for their feet like they're walking on dirt roads every single day. And there was a person, for a Passover meal, there would have been somebody designated to like their whole job is to wash people's feet. It was reserved for whoever was the lowest of the low. And here comes Jesus going, let's play a game. How low can we go? And he begins washing the feet, not only of his disciples, but of his betrayer. One would sell him out for some money. Another would sell him out just because it, it he just Peter, he just thought, man, I I it make me look bad. I don't you know what it makes me think about? You want to know, I think this is what really makes Jesus great. The reason I think that this is what makes Jesus really great is because I think you and I We have people that we don't mind serving. You know, like some of the people that we're related to, like, "Eh, I don't mind serving them. But then we got that other list. Those other people that we can't stand, that get on our nerves, that have hurt us, that have betrayed us, that have lied about us, that have cheated on us, that left us. Whoa, they're off the list. I'll serve my kids if I have to. I'll serve my husband. Okay, that's cool. My boss that I like. Okay, cool. This colleague, not this. But it's like we got our favorites list. And then we got that other list. We go, ah, I, I, I don't know about that. And it's, it's amazing. That that's, that's why Jesus says in John thirteen fourteen. he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I Have done for you. I I know that there's somebody in your life you'd rather not serve. But what makes Jesus great is he's going. I'm going to treat Judas. The same way I'm going to treat Matthew. I'm, I'm going to treat Peter. The same way. I I, I treat James like I'm going to serve them all. I'm going to treat them. I just got a feeling that there's somebody that you work with that you'd just rather not serve. And maybe this weekend, that's the person God's pointing out for you to go. Yeah, actually, if, if you want to be great and you want to be like Jesus, that's actually the person you might need to serve the most. Because, you got to understand, this whole meal is not about who deserves to be served. Jesus has already flipped that upside down. He's already going, guys, we're not, even, we're not even playing that game. No, like, if you want to be one of my disciples, you really want to be great. Anybody can serve somebody they like. but But like, if you knew this week someone was going to betray you, break your trust hurts you bad you wouldn't stoop down and tie their shoes let alone wash their feet Jesus is doing something absolutely extraordinary now the way Luke tells this story it's amazing what happens at this dinner because At one point, Jesus says, he's done washing feet. He's already served as as an example, right? And then he goes, hey, uh, I ain't going to say no names, but one of you is going to betray me. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, Scripture says, one by one, the disciples said, Lord, is it me? So you got a oh, Lord. Is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Which is interesting if Jesus went, nope, not you. Mm-mm. Next one. Mm-mm, nope, not you. And like just waiting for Ju- Like notice nobody said, Lord, is it Judas? Like nobody's like trying to rat him out. They're all going, well, is it? Is it? Is it me? And then Luke tells us this is what happens. This is the, this is the last dinner Jesus is having on the planet before he's crucified. Luke tells us this happened. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Can you believe that? Jesus is going, hey, why am you going to betray me? Well, is it me? Well, it ain't me. And then all of a sudden they go, wait, I'm the goat. Can you imagine? Like a bunch of pastors sitting around. With Jesus, Jesus is on the ground washing their feet and they break out into an argument about who's the greatest. Like that would be ridiculous. That's what happened. You got a bunch of people going, wait, wait, no. I'm the goat not realizing the goats on the floor. Washing our feet. And then Luke Tells us, tells us this, this is how Jesus responds to this argument about who the goat is. He says in Luke 22, verse 25, he says, hey, the kings of the Gentiles, Gentiles, these are people that in Scripture don't have a relationship with God. This is how people who don't have a relationship with God, this is how they would have. He says the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. Then Jesus says something that would have shaken the disciples up. He says, this is how how everybody else acts. But not so with you. Not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves like jesus is inviting his disciples to fall out of love with their status because we just got to be honest um I, i i'll be honest you don't have to be i'll go first okay i'm an american and i feel like a full american like i fully live out like everything it means to be american i got netflix i got amazon prime i want my stuff right now like like be here as fast as it possibly can. If if a package is late, I'm like, what's going on? I pay for Prime. Like it's supposed to be here. Like like I I want I, like when the internet isn't working fast, like I'm like like what's going on? Like do you even remember AOL when it used to dial up? It used to wait 15 minutes to get on the internet. Now I'm mad if it takes 30 seconds for Google to load. Like like I'm going. I like I want stuff to happen for me as fast as I can. I have expectations in most rooms that I walk in. Which for us, we might say, especially in North Dallas, where we pay for stuff every now and then, we might think, well, we deserve it. We paid for it. We paid for a a specific service that we feel entitled to. It's the American way to which Jesus would go. I get it. Not so with you. Okay, maybe. Gentiles, people that don't have a relationship with God, they can act the way, but you. No, not so with you. No, no, no. I got to do this because we're climbing the ladder to which Jesus would go. I get it. You're climbing in the wrong direction. Go that way. And try and find yourself on the ground, serving as many people as you possibly can. I know a lot of people love to climb the ladder of success, but not so. I know a lot of people want to be in charge and they want to have power because that's great, just not so with you. And I think any person that begins to have a lot of success has to deal with this in their heart to go. Let me tell you why I've been given status. Let me tell you why I've been given resources. Let me tell you why I've been given any amount of success. It's to leverage it. To serve other people. So if you're a leader in this room and you're in charge, you're in charge to serve, not to be served. What's interesting is this is the second time the disciples are having a goat discussion. It's like they keep doing it, and 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 this one, it, it, it's amazing. Matthew twenty verse seventeen. It says, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus predicts his death, burial, and resurrection His best friends. He goes, Guys, where we're headed, I'm about to die. Here's what happens next. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. Jesus says, What is it you want? Gotta love Jesus. Okay, then he says, She says, Grant. That one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other on the left in your kingdom. Jesus just told you he would be mocked, flogged and crucified. And you respond with so glad you about to die. Listen, since you're going to die, I need to know. uh, My son's. I know you're about to go through a lot, but my son, like, can't you just see this is like the soccer mom asking the coach for more playing time? You know what I'm saying? This is like, hey, I just need to know something about to happen to you. I need to know what's going to happen with my boys. And like, what is what is going on here? Like you didn't read the room. It's like they're changing the conversation. Have you ever had a conversation with the conversation narcissist? It's a person that continues to make the conversation about them. Sometimes they're asking you how you're doing just so they can tell you how they're doing. You know what I'm saying? That's the disciples in this moment. Hey, guys, about to die. Yeah, that's cool. Listen, since uh, since we're talking about greatness, I need to figure out where I'm going to be in this whole thing. And then scripture says when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Well, you should be indignant with the mom, but they their family. So they're trying to figure this out. And then. This is the setup for Jesus' mission statement. Jesus called them together. And he says, hey, uh, the rulers of the Gentiles, they, they like to lord authority over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, you know, the backstory of Jesus's mission statement. There's an argument, a debate about, hey, who's great? Like we can have debates all day about who's the goat of anything. Jesus is going, let me just settle the debate for you. You want to see who the greatest is. You're looking for the person who is serving the most. So this weekend, I got a couple questions for you. Number one, who do you need to serve? I think you got some options. Uh, Your spouse. And if you got in a fight on the way here, it's going to be tough, but here we are. Your kids. Maybe your neighbors. Maybe your boss. Maybe your church. I mean, who's the person like? Who's the person like since I started talking, you're going anybody but them? Because now you got to answer the second question. It's not just uh, uh, who, who do you need to serve? Um, who, do you, who do you want to serve the least? Who's that? person who's that group perhaps it's the same group i just listed your spouse your kids your neighbors your boss maybe your church but i think if we really want to have a great life it's a game of how low can you go and it's, it's walking into every room, every Zoom, every living room, every office, and going like, I know I feel some type of way about this organization. I feel some type of way about this family. I feel some type of way about this neighborhood or this class. And, and it's still walking in and going, even though you don't deserve me to serve you, I follow this guy gives away what people don't deserve. And that's why we're still talking about them Thousands of years later. Nobody thought like this. Nobody served like this. So I think you and I should copy and paste this into our life. I think each and every one of us should have something in our life that consistently puts us in a position to serve. Which is why I'm so excited about the opportunity this weekend to join a team. And there's so many teams that will allow you to serve in different capacities. And you can go on the app and you can do it online. You can fill out the cards you were given if you're here live. There's a hub where you can, you know, maybe you don't know exactly where you think you should serve or where your giftings might be. Well, there's somebody that that can help you figure that out. You might be, okay, you know. Can I serve in the children's ministry? Maybe you're one of those people you're like, ah, I like kids in doses, but like long term, I don't know that I can. Yeah. But at some point, I think each and every one of us has to enter in our hearts. Hey, Lord, what who is it that you're calling me to serve? On a micro level, personally, maybe organizationally to say, man, maybe maybe it's an outreach team. Maybe it's a production team. Maybe it's a a student ministry team. There's all kinds of teams that you can join. But I think it's important that each and every one of us has something in our life that keeps us low. That keeps us from, dare I say, becoming a little bit too American. Because sometimes you can go, man, we got it good. To which Jesus would go, I'm glad you got it good leverage that for other people. God, I thank you so much for Chase Oaks. I pray, God, that you would help us be more like you every single day. God, would you reveal to us who we should serve. Lord, when we find ourselves in a place of arrogance, when we find ourselves in a place of wanting to climb the ladder, may we be kind of people that step off the ladder. May we play the game of how low can we go. For the person, Lord, that we don't want to serve, God, would you give us the grace to extend to them what you so graciously extended to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it.